most compelling talk show programming is on Ruckus Avenue Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Abu Bakr Khan, and you are back on The Conversation. Uh, this is the show, again, where we talk about a bunch of different subjects with a lot of interesting people. So today in the studio, I'm honored to have my my good friend, my acting, I would say partner. I mean, that's how we met through acting uh, and an educated, probably the most educated person I've had on the show so far. I've only done a few episodes, though. Just disclaimer. <laughs> uh, and so today we're going to have Mr. Ash Tolpadi. Is that how I say it? That, that, was, how, that was great. How do people usually say it? Uh, hamburger patty, egg patty, all kinds of things. Told, but how is it supposed to be said? Thol patty. It's supposed to be pronounced thol patty. Thol patty. Yeah. I mean, they don't even try. Honestly, they don't even try the last name. That's just, yeah. That's what I realized. They don't even, even. For me, it's my first name. They don't even try. <laughs> I'm like, hey, my name's Abu Bakr. Yeah. Abu. I'm like, no, Abu Bakr. No, no, Abu. They want to go straight with the Aladdin. Yeah. Abu. The monkey from uh, it's yeah. whack. No, no, I understand. The, so look, the first name's even harder for them. I what's mean, what's your see, first name? Is it actually it's actually Ash? Ashok? I like Ashok, man. See, I changed it because I'm Hollywood now, so it's got to be Ash. But uh, what I would get with that is Ashok. So, damn, they probably made a lot of fun of you in high school or elementary school, huh? Oh my gosh, you have no idea, and that's why I'm Ash now. I, I even went on set one time, and they um, per, they spelled it A S H O L E. Ashhole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still yeah. have a picture of that. Like, wow. Damn, why they be doing my guy like that? <laughs> Look, today's episode I'm super pumped for because Ash is someone that I met in an acting class. Casting and the director f- workshop. Was it the casting? Oh, yeah. God, it was horrible. It was not a good time. No offense to the casting director workshops. Did you learn anything? <laughs> nope, not a thing. Yeah, I didn't learn anything either. We, but this is the thing. I walked in and I made a beeline for the first brown person I saw. And it's Ash. And we're sitting there. We're talking to each other. Everyone else is kind of silent, really boring. Yeah, I didn't really think you made a beeline towards me. I just thought, you know, oh, who's this charming guy that just comes in and says hi to everybody? Because, you know, everybody's just in their own world. Abu Bakr comes in and he's just like, hey, everybody. And everybody's just talking to him. I was like, there's a man. No, I there's appreciate- a guy I want to know. <laughs> I appreciate that. It was, it was interesting because then when we did sit down, um, you were telling me about your story. And you're like, yeah, I used to be a doctor. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? This is crazy. I feel like I was in a sitcom or something. <laughs> I used to be a doctor and now I'm an actor. And then after that, you and I, a few hours later, we're sitting there having, uh, what are they called? A Chinooki? What are those cookies called? Bazooki. I feel like I probably offended a bunch of people. <laughs> oh my God. I have to stay politically correct, good sir. It was a, pazo- a Pazooki. Yeah, but I like Chinooki <laughs> so much. Uh, that's awesome. Wait, can you please tell the people that are listening what a Chinooki is? Or a Pazooki is? It is a huge ass chocolate chip ice cream with vanilla ice cream on top. I mean, chocolate chip cookie with vanilla ice cream on top. It was romantic. It was you and I sitting there against the world. And this is about a month ago. <laughs> and we said, we're going to take over Hollywood. Look, so that's the show today is we're going to talk about uh, to Ash about his journey. We're going to talk about his acting career. Talk about his medical career. Because a lot of times in our community, there's a lot of kids that are actually pressured to go into medicine or to law or to engineering. And I've never met someone like yourself, man. Like seriously, that day, it really was fascinating because you had gone through it. It's not like you stopped halfway or you stopped at the beginning. You actually went through it, became a doctor, and then realized that, you know what, this is it for me. Okay. So I really want to dive into that, that journey, man. Dive into what things have been like in LA. Uh, dive into the fact that people call you Ashhole, right? <laughs> Which is a very nice name. 
<laughs> and so it. to begin, to begin the show, the conversation today, Ashok, where are you from, man? I am from the mountains of Southwest Virginia in a little town called Wise. And I will tell you that this place, I used to have an accent, like a really southern accent. I used to talk like this. I remember back when I was in high school, I would give a graduation speech. And I was watching it, and I, I saw, oh, my God, how did I have an accent like that? So when I, when I got to University of Virginia, I had to change it because I got made fun of so much. They were calling me Billy Bob. Wait, hold and, up. And, but you are, when I look at you, you are, a, you are a visibly brown guy. Visibly brown guy. But you were born in this area. Yeah. And wait, did your parents have that accent too? No. What? Wait, so what was that like? Did they, what kind of accent did they have? Your standard Indian accent. <laughs> so, so run me through what a conversation would look like between yourself and your dad or mom. Okay, beta, it is time <laughs> to eat now. Well, what are we going to have? <laughs> You're going to have a chapatis and some paratas in curry. Man, I don't want any of that. Can I get some Subway? <laughs> so. No, that's, that's that was a little strange. I mean, when you see a brown guy with a southern accent, it's, it just blows your mind because you expect him to say something else. Like, excuse me, cutie, where is your time? You expect him to talk like that. But when it's a southern accent, you just, people are like, well, are, you, are you messing with me? Wait, so when you grew up, were there any other brown people around you? Any South Asians? There was. And you know what? Those brown people, if I remember, just 30 minutes away from me, they actually had normal accents. I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> Why was that? That 30 minute difference that you were the yeah. only one that got hit by this Billy Bob sort of act? <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. And that's fascinating, man. Maybe so I you, just tried to fit in with, with everybody else. And maybe they didn't try to fit in. That's interesting. Yeah. So they kind of were, they're being themselves in a sense. Yeah. I'm going to keep this accent. Yes. I mean, that's, uh, I've never really thought about that way too. And so for you, what was it like growing up trying to fit in? How many, how many people that look like you were in your class? None. <laughs> okay. I was the only one in a sea of white people. Why, wait, why did your parents decide to be there? Like, of all places in the world, why did they... Was it called what? Wise Virginia. Why, why, why Wise Virginia? So my, my dad came over in the 70s uh, as a doctor, and um, he was in the Bronx, and he had a friend... I, you know, I always ask him this question too. And he's, I said, how did you end up here? And he goes, well, my friend said that he, we could have a good practice if we came down to this, you know, place in Southwest Virginia. But I never asked him, well, how did this guy know about this place? Was he from, from Wise? to Virginia. Yeah. I mean, he was an Indian guy. How did he find out? I never thought to ask that. So, What kind of practice was he talking about? Uh, just a medical practice. Just, just being a okay. standard medical practice. Yeah. So a general practitioner in Wise, Virginia. And yeah. then your dad's like, let's hop on it. Let's hop on that. So who went, you, your, were you, uh, you were born in Wise, so it's probably your mother, your dad, anybody else? And my brother. Okay. Did he, does he have an accent like that or did he ever have one? I don't think he did. I think he avoided it too. It was just you. It was just me. You're an anomaly. That's why, you know, I think there's a touch of Southern accent in when you, when you talk to me, can you tell at all? Yeah, you have, you have a very, you have, by the way, you have a deep voice. It's um, very, it's very nice. It's my theater voice. Yeah. <laughs> you have that voice, but then, yeah, you do have a little bit of that Southern drawl. Huh. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah, it's there. So you said that when you were in high school, it, you were in a you were the one brown kid in a sea of white people. What was that like for your identity and and just in general? I I guess I I kind of fit in there. I mean, I didn't have any problems. I was a class clown, and uh, it was cool. 
You I, I did get called like some racist names, but I just, it just, uh, I just ignored it. I've never gotten angry about that stuff, but I did get pretty racist names. What kind of racist? Do you remember any of them? Like sand, N-I-G-G-E-R mm-hmm. and uh, camel jockey, stuff like that. Like, damn, man. All right. You guys got me. You guys are <laughs> yeah. original. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of those ones before. <laughs> so you got that back then. Uh, you're in high school. You said you were being a class clown. We just make fun of yourself. Was that a lot of self-deprecating self-depre- humor? Or what was it? Probably. It was a lot of self-deprecation and making fun of teachers and just, you know, different different people's voices. I think I did that a lot. What Maybe. kind of voice? I can see you're good with voices, man. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, my government teacher would, whenever someone would complain, he would just be like, wah. And so I started to incorporate that into my, you know, <laughs> you, just do, you just say wah. Yeah. <laughs> someone started to complain about something and I would just cut him off mid-sentence, you know. Like, man, I can't believe I got a seat. Wah. And then, they, yeah, I can see that. I, that's It makes sense because at a young age, you were really, it seems like, again, not mocking people, but you were really, uh, you were, how do, what would be the best word? You were working on your accents. Like, that's that's something that now when I think about you and when I when I hang out with you, it really must pay off dividends. I hope so. I think so. It does. Like, damn, you did a good Indian and uh, and uh, uh, Southern drawl accent. And that's then, about all I have. <laughs> I think that's more than you need. Yeah. And then back then when you were growing up, were there any South Asians that you saw um, in the media realm? Or was it just Apu? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. There, there, were, there were like a few people. In my school, maybe two years ahead of me, there was one Indian girl. And then maybe two years below me, there was one Indian guy. So that's about all I remember. It was the only brown people you had to look up to. Yeah. But, you know, there was Indian parties. So everybody from every other town like 30 minutes away would come and gather and now that would be like at least 100 people at those indian parties the, damn okay all right so that's when everyone kind of come together yeah and they'd hang out yeah did you were you the only one at this indian party with the southern draw i think so damn now that i think about it I, why did i get sucked <laughs> into that why did nobody why did it not affect anybody else i don't know no it's actually an interesting thing so look you got a southern draw your name is Ash or Ashok back, uh, back then. Then why did you decide to go into medical? You said your dad was a doctor. Yeah. What happened? Okay, so like, I went to University of Virginia. Yeah. And uh, I did. I started out with uh, economics and biology. I was like, do I want to do business or do I want to do medicine or do I want to be an actor? So I started taking So you had three options. Too. Yeah. And I just stuck with economics and biology. I don't know what ha- would happen with my acting 101 class. I was just like, man, I got an A minus on this. Maybe I'm not good enough to be an actor. Are you serious? <laughs> were you getting <laughs> A's and were you getting A's and everything else? Yeah, I've got, I've probably gotten like three A's my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 stopped acting because you got an A minus. I think so. I think that's what it was. Ruckus Avenue Radio. Okay, so you're there at University of Virginia. You took an acting class. What's happening then? You just started becoming more and more involved in the science realm? You know what? I never liked college because I got made fun of so much. And college? Yeah. People made fun of my Southern accent and <laughs> I had to change it eventually. But was University of Virginia a lot more open or is it still just all white people? Oh, it was a lot of white people. And it was, pr- it was pretty openly racist, like harsh racism. Like the people in Southwestern Virginia kind of accepted me, but these people would just be like, I would be walking down the street and they'd say, get out of my country terrorist. Okay. I mean, I just get this a lot at UVA. It's a pretty racist Charlottesville. You know, that's where all the racists. That's where they had, is that where they brought the, the tiki thing, the, the tiki torches? Yeah, came through. Is that where yeah. they did the Char- Charlottesville, uh, the rally? Yep, the Charlottesville Damn. rally. 
Wait, how far how far are you from there? No, I live right there. In that city, Charlottesville, University of Virginia is in Charlottesville. So I was anything that I saw on the news, I was in that area. Right away you're like, Yep. <laughs> yep, that yep, that is an that is that an is accurate, accurate representation. Yep, exactly. okay. Damn, those guys got more sophisticated now with their cheeky like that. What was it? They bought those things from Walmart or something like that when they were doing I, their they were doing their march. I didn't hear that, but that's uh, interesting. That's what they did. So you grew up. You're in Charlottesville. You're at University of Virginia. All this racist stuff is happening to you. So how, how did you cope with that? Uh, I think I just bottled everything up. I never would get mad at anybody. I, I would avoid fights like the plague. Yeah, I, I, that's that's just how I am. I avoid all confrontation <laughs> in general. So you, so. but why do you know? Do you is there a reason why you just started avoiding a lot of confrontation? You just start putting your head down. Mm, probably because I, uh, I'm a very sensitive guy, and I would probably tear up. Yeah, because I would think like, why why would you be so mean to anybody? Why would you say those things to anybody? You know, so rather than getting angry and like punching somebody, it just affected me like. Little Ash. Yeah. You know? It's like, why are people actually being so cruel? Yeah. Did you ever befriend any of these people at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> Was there ever... I like, would just see them one time and I'd be like, ah, okay, I'm going to avoid that person. So when you're at University of Virginia, I'm guessing you didn't go out, you didn't go party, you didn't do anything like that. Oh, no, I partied. <laughs> Who did you go out with then? <laughs> well, I mean... Um, who was I hanging out with? I had a really good friend there who was half Egyptian and um, half white, and we just hung out a lot. You had a, a good um, amount of whiteness in him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't join a frat. You did that, or you didn't? I did not. That was like how you really get your social status at yep. UVA. You know? Your network expands. Yeah. But I was, I, it just didn't work with me. I didn't, I didn't fit in there. Yeah, I joined a frat uh, at UBC, and man, it's predominantly just Caucasian people. <laughs> oh, you did join one. I joined one, it's called Alpha Delta Phi. Um, and it was just, as you nice. said, the goal, the reason why I joined it was again, your social capital increases immensely, Yeah. right? You meet a lot of different people, but um, I remember again, it was very, it's it's a toxic type of place. There's a lot of great people, no doubt, but it's a lot of hyper-masculinity, a lot of just dehumanizing women, because you're just always hanging out with dudes, right? Yeah. So it was an experience. And there's not many South Asian people I find that actually do join fraud, so I got to get that experience. but. For you, you were out there and you didn't really, you just didn't see the benefit of it or what are you thinking? I just, I always wanted to be different from everybody else, I think. Yeah, you had a Southern draw <laughs> <laughs> and you were brown. So yeah, you were doing a good job of that. Yeah. So what happened with the sciences then? And so I, I continued on double majored in biology and economics and- uh, Did I, you enjoy it? Not really. So how I do you, cause really look, for, for, look, for me, when I would study, if I didn't enjoy it, I was just like, oh God, all right, you know, I'm gonna go procrastinate. I'm gonna go hang, I love people. I just kept hanging out with people, doing all that. And so it really would baffle me when I'd find people that, but I also realized I understood why they were doing it, that they really had to put their head to the grindstone and just get things done. Um, or they just did a bunch of Adderall and just got addicted to coffee and then <laughs> and just focused. But what was that like for you? What really pushed you? What was the motivating factor behind doing these classes you didn't enjoy? Well, I knew that um, <clears throat> my overall goal was to be a doctor, so I had to just plow down and get it done. And I thought, as I continue on this journey, maybe I'll figure out something else to do. Or maybe I'll just keep studying really hard, get all A's, and do the doctor thing. Wait, was your older brother a doctor too? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So you he, gotta... was, he was at the same university at the same time. How many years older is he than you? Two years, but four years mentally. 
Oh, why do you say four years mentally? He skipped two grades. What the hell? Yeah, so you he had to... second grade and eighth grade. And how do I... how does one do that? That's I, I, I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm I understand the whole concept of flunking a grade or at least one grade. Yeah, how do you skip two? <laughs> how do you skip two. He was just taking courses in college when he was in high school. So, so you had that as your older, you had him as your older brother. Was yeah. that a lot of pressure? You know what? Now that I think about it, and as we talk, I probably just kind of had to follow the same footsteps. So I was like, man, I can never compete with this guy. You know, yeah. I, was, I always felt like I was in competition with him. Would, would your parents push you push you with that competition too? Like, was it you know what? Yeah, look at your brother. Always, they would always play. You know, each other. They'd be like, man, Ash, so nice. They would say Ash. They'd say Ashu. Ashu <laughs> is so nice. Yeah. And uh, they'd say, oh, but Sunil's so smart. Ah. Oh. So I was the nice, good-looking guy, and my brother was the smart guy. And then you said they'd play that against you, both of you. Yeah. That's that's what I want to understand. Because look, I have a bunch of cousins right now uh, that I grew up with. That it was the same mentality. The parents were always just making us compete. I have a story where my uncle actually would always say this. He would always be boasting. It's actually pretty funny. He's like, you know, when you and your cousin were born, because my cousin's literally three weeks older than me. When you guys were born, we made you, when you were a few months old, we made you both race. And he beat you. And I was like, what the fuck? How old is this? I was like, eight months, or I was like, you're old, and we, we crawled, and it was a race, and like, he beat you. I was like, what the Why does this matter? And that was, but it was growing up, that was instilled in us as competition. Yeah. Yo, you're doing this, but look at what he's up to. And that messes with your psyche, man. It does. And it's not only that, I don't know if your dad did this, but he would take out like clippings of a newspaper of like a little Indian boy winning a national be- spelling bee champion. And he would lay it out on the table and he'd be like, I should read this, read what? this <laughs> or math competitions or anything all the time, like at least once a month. No, my dad was like, this guy's a lost cause. And <laughs> he wouldn't have wasted the time. To pull that. But your dad actually, he would go, you're telling me he would grab a newspaper. Yeah. He'd get some scissors, he cut it out. Yeah. And then he, did you do any spelling bees or anything like that? I did. I actually oh. made it to the state spelling. I'm very good at spelling now. <laughs> okay, okay, give me a word that's really tough. Like, give me something that they gave you, that they threw at you. Uh, I can give you some words that I missed that I probably shouldn't have missed. In right. grade. <laughs> like collaborate. Oh, col- I, oh. I didn't know it was two L's. So, oh, you did C-O-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-E? Oh, look at you. Look you at that. Spelling oh. me champ. Oh. I, can, I can spell like four or 14 words, but you did that at how old? Uh, eight. Eight, nine, ten. What the hell? <laughs> you, you've done literally every stereotypical brown thing. That's right. Did you do math? Were there math? Math balls, quiz balls, stuff like that. What are quiz balls? Uh, it's like an academic thing where they ask you, you know, different subjects, math, English, and it's five contestants on each thing, and you buzz uh, when they ask you a question. What the hell? It's fun when you're winning, though. Yeah, but when you're losing, it's not <laughs> yeah. a good time. Yeah. So wait, you, quiz balls you did in Virginia? Yeah, academic quiz balls. What, what do you win? Is there like a big cash prize or is it boasting rights? Or? Just boasting rights. Was there a lot and of... And then they, you know, they would uh, announce it at school. These guys won the championship. <laughs> All right. I am an awesome nerd. <laughs> It's like, I'm the man. What's up? Yeah. How you doing? It's like all the ladies just lining up. They were lining up. Please do our homework for us. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is actually, I've never ever gotten this perspective before because that's, I've always watched. Have you seen that video of that one because kid? You were a C student and you never had this. C's get degrees, good <laughs> sir. Look, I want to, I want to take a quick break before we uh, go into the next segment of this too, because I have a lot of questions on ask you, but look, what's a song that you want to play right now this break? Me Against the World by Tupac. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial. <laughs> a quick commercial. 
and we're gonna play me against the world by tupac stay tuned <laughs> What's up, everybody? You're back with the conversation, and we have Mr. Ashok Tolpadi. <laughs> oh man! So look, we just uh, we finished listening to the song. You and I look. This is what happened. We we had a deep conversation for 15 minutes, and then we looked at it, and the, it didn't even record. <laughs> we talked about the deepest things. We just talked about medical school and the struggle that comes with being in medicine. Look, I want to go into where we were just talking about right now. How when you're in the medical system, you're always busy, 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 busy. All right. So you were just talking about that. What what did, what did you mean by that? Yeah, when you start medical school, I mean it's basically a hundred hour week job. You're just like struggling trying to memorize all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and you don't have time to think about you know whether you're happy or not. You just have a specific goal. You need to get through this, and you gotta you gotta pass your classes. So I was just on this journey of I need to be a doctor. I need to be a doctor, um, and I'm working really hard in med school four years in residency for three years, fellowship for another two years. And finally, when I got to becoming assistant professor, I finally had some time on my hands and I was like, oh man, I'm not very happy doing this. So would you say that also when you're going four, three, two, those two, those, uh, each one is a different milestone. 
It's like, wait, once I get to my residency, all right, now I'm here. Okay, well, and you always have that linear path laid out. Yeah. But then once you finally became that assistant professor, it was what's, what is next? Holy yeah, crap. You have a goal, and now that you've reached the goal, what is there left in life? You know, if you don't really enjoy doing your goal at that point, then you're going to be miserable. And that's what you were saying too. You said that you were completely miserable, yeah. right? What was, what was that like when you uh, basically became a doctor and you didn't find any happiness in that? I, I tried to find happiness in research. I, th- I thought that's what I enjoyed, like publishing a lot of papers and being a well-respected academic doctor, but it wasn't. Um, it just didn't bring me any happiness and I was just binge eating and I was enjoying all the dopamine rush I get to my brain. And yeah. Oh, how do we, how did your, the community, uh, how do they treat you once you became that doctor? I've always wondered that. What is it like once you do become a doctor then? I don't think I kept touch with the community, but you know, people will respect you anywhere that you go when you say you're a doctor, right? So you should, every conversation would be like, hi, my name is Ashok. I'm <laughs> a doctor. I'm Dr. Tholpati. Is that what you'd say? <laughs> <laughs> I would it rolls say off that, the tongue, Dr. Yeah. Tholpati. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there was a part of me that uh, enjoyed the respect that I got from it. Yeah. There was, there was nothing interesting about my job. I was a blood bank doctor, transfusion medicine doctor. That sounds fascinating to me, man. <laughs> it sounds so badass. Yeah, the transfusion. I work with blood. So what, what would your normal day look like when you're doing that? Oh, and it was interesting. At University of Texas, I was uh, in the cardiothoracic program in heart surgery. So for those patients, they end up bleeding to death a lot of the times. And I'm the, I'm the guy that's like, the surgeon's like, hey, how do we get this bleeding under control? Help us. So, you know, I would read. They'd call you. Yeah. Uh, when the bleeding was just, when the patient was just hemorrhaging. And then at that point, I would have to, you know, use algorithms to get the patient resuscitated correctly. Uh, that's one aspect of transfusion medicine. The other is like the blood donor center. So, you know, you're, you're keeping the blood supply safe. People it's got to stay warm. I worked on a lot of, <laughs> yeah, like I've heard it's got to stay at this certain temperature as well because I did a lot of different blood drives uh, when I was younger. But what it's was gotta that? It's got to be red. It's got, it must stay red. <laughs> but look, what was it, what was that like? Staying in, seeing people hemorrhaging and all of that. That must have just been, was it tra- traumatizing or were you just really just, ah, oh, whatever? No, you know, I did so many autopsies. I think I'm just uh, desensitized towards life and death. You see a lot of cadavers and, and yeah. just you just open them up all the time? Yeah, I used to do autopsies a lot as well. What was your first autopsy like? It was the H1N1 flu. And when I cut open the guy, it was just oozing out uh, like this yellow fluid. And I was like, oh my God, am I going to get H1N1 now? <laughs> so then you just, you just looked at it. Were you serious? Like, all right, I'm all in. I'm on, if I get H1N1, at least I did it while I was on my path to becoming a doctor. <laughs> yes. There's no turning back now. You just you've cut open a, a body. You've seen some messed up stuff. Was it so? While you're going through this whole thing, you said that the way you'd cope with it is binge eating. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um, other things as well. I mean, I I, I actually started to learn salsa dancing and, and play the piano. Okay. And that was a very social thing to do. So you know, I was still. Creative. Enjoying certain aspects of my life. Yeah, I was still doing in the creative process. While this was happening, were you doing any acting? No, I don't know why I didn't do any acting. It didn't even cross your mind? It didn't even cross my mind. I was just doing the doctor thing. So, so look, even I don't know bef- why I didn't do that. That's a good question. Well, it seems like, again, you tried it. You told me that when you are in university, you tried to do the acting thing and then it was shut down. 
Yeah, my parents just shut it down. They're like, no, just just be a doctor, then you can be an actor after that. So I, to my perspective, it makes sense why you didn't touch it then. Because you had tried, and then each time that you tried, they just say, yeah, yeah, whatever, leave it alone. Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, I guess maybe there was some truth in that. I'm not born to, you know, directors. A lot of the people that make it out here is through nepotism, right? Well, um, you and I, with relationships. Yeah. And that's where, again, I think why we bonded heavily that day, too, was that, hey, you know what, there's a new, it's a new time in Hollywood where they're really looking for yes. those, the like, People that look like us, it's a time when ambiguous. Athlete, yeah, white people hate us. Right Didn't now. you say you said you used to be? You did a play when you were four years old. Yeah, and, and they, what did they make? <laughs> they you? already cast me as a Japanese guy. That's it. Japanese kid. And like Ashok will be Japanese. Yeah, and he is four years old, and he is brown, and he has black hair. <laughs> so that's you. You've been ethnically ambiguous since the beginning. That's right. But I think going back to the Hollywood part of it too. This is if there was ever a time to be uh, a South Asian in Hollywood, I think. This is the time. I would say so. And, you know, I've even heard a few times that I was on film that I got cast because I was brown. I was like, oh, my gosh. So affirmative action's working for me. Sweet. Like this I've is never had affirmative action work for me. But now, you know, it's actually useful. They were like, just don't get a white guy. That's <laughs> so their big they thing. They would cast me. And so, so look, when you I'm, did the, okay with that. Look, you did the medical thing. And then when did you decide to jump into the acting? Uh, okay, so I think we did not. We went over this when it wasn't recording. So yeah, the struggle of again <laughs> learning the lear, learning the technology. Well, I, so as I was practicing at MD Anderson Cancer Center, I had a lot of times on, on my hand. I was working ten hours a week, nothing. And so I was thinking, why am I not happy? What else do I need? I need more money. That's probably what it is. I need to be a hedge fund manager. So while then, you were a doctor, yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna good. I'm gonna get my MBA. How, how much were you, let's say, roughly making when you were a doctor, or if you had continued on that path? What would, what would be a base salary? I was making close to three hundred thousand a year, U.S. Yeah, it's like four, five hundred grand Canadian. <laughs> you make a half a million dollars a year, and how did you spend that money? I got a house. I, I'm not a really a big spender. You know, that's why I've heard about doctors. They're not really. They don't. They're not really, they don't really pay too much attention to their money. And the, the reason why I wanted a lot of money was I wanted a butler to like clean up after me and cook for me. <laughs> but that, that was your big, yeah. and how much would that have cost you? Probably like 225000 a year. For just a butler? I think so. 225k? Yeah. I'll be your butler for 225k? <laughs> I'm cooking. But this butler is probably doing everything, wiping your butt too? Probably. For 225k, man, that's, a, you. that's like everything that you want. Yeah. Is that giving you a sponge bath? 225. Okay. All right. So I could be wrong. I thought, I thought I saw that figure, but that's an expensive building. Yeah. So then that's what happened. You wanted to become a hedge fund manager. Yeah. And so I started on the path of uh, going to Rice MBA. I started my first day and I was like, no, this isn't what I want to do. I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? So then I thought, I thought back to what makes me the happiest in life. And I realized, oh, it was every time I was doing a play in high school or middle school or anything like that. So I started acting classes. I started improv on Monday nights and I started two different acting classes and I loved it. Every time I was there, I was actually staying awake. Every time I was in class for medicine, I would be like sleepy, tired. I didn't want to do it. No energy. Now in acting classes, I'm like wide awake. I love it. I love my life. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And if I can't do this, I don't want to do anything else. If I if I hypothetically put a gun to your head and said you can't act anymore, what would you say? Um, say all right, I'll just uh, 
play the piano. Right. Just a lot of other things. You, you wouldn't say pull the trigger. You'd be like, ah, oh, I, I still want to live. I, I, I'll do something. I'll, I'll do something. I'm okay. still want to live. But you wouldn't say, okay, I'll go be a doctor again. I mean, no, no, no. I You're done Because I, I would probably be a director at that point. You know, there's a lot of other things you can do in the acting world that are just as, you know, fun. That's why, again, it's so crucial to have this conversation, too, for all the people that are listening. Because they're just a lot of them are consumed by that whole uh, aspect of you know what I got to be a doctor because then people respect me. Um, I got to be a doctor and then people my parents will love me, right? I got to be a doctor and you know what then I'm successful. And so the fact that you again when we met and you said that you did that and then you moved to Hollywood, I've told a lot of people I said yeah man there's this guy, sure he's the man. I've, I've said that to a lot of people <laughs> like this guy man. I've actually told that to some of my cousins. I said look. You want to be a doctor, but I don't think you are actually doing it for the right reasons. Exactly. I think you brought up a good point. If I do this, then my parents will love me. If I do this, then things will be better. That's not true at all. It doesn't Guys, sound real. What? Once you get in and you are that person, you're not going to be happy inside. You so maybe- stop saying this. Blasphemy. This is blasphemy. <laughs> Every brown parent that's listening right now is going to be pissed off at you. Stop saying these things, man. Don't listen to the parents. They, if what makes you happy is to please other people, which is a very bad thing, place to be don't do that mm. then yeah you, you you'll be happy but you know do what you love really do find what drives you and makes you want to get up every day and motivates you and forget what everybody else says because if you do what you love everything will come that's what i've kind of realized as well is that the moment that i kind of got away from all of that crap um it just you feel good man you really have the in the alchemist. I think that he talks about uh, it's your personal legend, and you're, you'll start meeting people that's eyes are lighting up. Right? They're living their their dream or whatever it may be. Um, I'm not saying go and just quit your job and do all of that. What I'm saying is that yeah, have t- a plan laid out. I mean, I had a savings to come out here. Mm. You know, it's yeah. very it's a very difficult path in Hollywood. It's not easy. Yeah, and that's where I think someone told me once. They said, you know what? I wish a lot of young people thought of acting or the creative realm as they thought of being a doctor where it takes about you have to invest about 10 to 15 years into it to finally get to a certain place that's correct and i think you know that is the one good thing about a medicine because i've learned the long-term reward game i'm not like oh i'm going to come out to hollywood and make things happen in a year i know it's a 10 to 15 year plan and i can go at it like a soldier for years that's the beauty the patience yeah i've developed that patience so that's, I think that's what I would wonder as well is I have a friend of mine who's a doctor too, and this guy's very disciplined. We just came, we were in San Francisco uh, last week together and uh, he sees a lot of stuff. He's an anesthesiologist, so he sees a lot of messed up things in the emergency room as well. And what he was telling me, like what I've realized about him is he's so disciplined and determined. And then there's times where he just wants to turn off his mind completely. So he's really big with basketball and, and just, he loves that. So why I'm bringing him up though is I see the difference is that this guy, he is all in. Yeah. Like that is, I, I can see why he is a doctor because this guy, come hell or high water, he's going to be, he's ready to put in the work. Right. And then I meet a lot of other young kids that want to be doctors and I see and, uh, and I look at them and they don't have that hunger. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I love them. I love them to death, but I also know that they can invest the next five, 10 years, but if they're not doing it for the right reason. Someone actually said this to me once. They said, uh, let's say hypothetically you and I Ash, I'm gonna call you Ashok. By the way, I like Ashok, man. All right. Like I, I think you got mad at me when I put Ashok in my phone. You said no, it's Ash. Yeah, and now, and now I know. I was like, no, I remember you. Saw, you told me Ashok or something. I don't know why I put it in there, One but okay. Brown person to another. Let it happen. <laughs> well, all right, just today, just today. Yeah. But I was gonna say that um, they said that. Think about you and I. Let's say you want to be a doctor, and I want to be a doctor, 
And I wanted to be a doctor because I know that yo, it'll give me ladies. Is this true, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So I'm like, yo, give me ladies. And it didn't. Okay. Salsa dancing Salt. gets you ladies. Okay, salsa dance. Yo, that's a good tip. But so look, hypothetically though, it's like you and I, I want to be a doctor. Um, I'm going to do it for the ladies or for money um, or to, as you said, please, your, my parents. Yeah, prestige, prestige, money, parents, exactly. I'm doing it for that reason. Now you, you're doing it because let's say uh, your mom almost died and it was this doctor that saved her life. And you remember the whole hospital experience and you remember how this guy was so kind and genuine, he, how he really took care of you and how it really made a big impact on your life. Those are the right reasons to be a doctor. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's what I kind of, what I realized was that Let's say you and I are both in the same class. We're both, we both made it towards the end of our undergrad. We're almost going to medical school. Who, that's the question I would pose to the people listening is, who do you think is going to become the doctor? Right? Who do you think has a stronger why and who's going to be the one that can push through when shit hits the van? The one that's doing it for the money or for the, the women or the one that's doing it because every part of their being is, you know what? I, I, I got to do this. I want to do this. Or the person who's like, I got to really please my parents or they will disown me. Oh, that's true. There's a third. See? There's <laughs> a motivation. That was, so that was your motivation. Yeah. yeah. Ah. So I got through it and I was very good at it. I you bet know, you I were. was a very good doctor too. I was very, had good bedside banner. You know, I did everything. I was like the academic, but you know, at the end of the day, who do you really want to be your doctor? I would love to have you as my doctor. You would be a great, you know, you'd be saying all the, you'd be making me laugh. Um, you, like you said, you were the handsome brother, right? Then on top of that, what else? You were very determined. We could do some improv while I'm at the, in the emergency room. Would you ever be able to be funny at all at the hospital? I did, but it never fit in. The, I just didn't fit in. Nobody would get it. So like, would I'd you just make be laughing some, at my own jokes? So you, what kind of, you make a serious, you make a joke and everyone just looking at you like, not now. Yeah. Or, or maybe they were laughing. I don't know. I know I would laugh at my own jokes a lot, and it was pretty quiet. I, I guess it still happens. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but look, I want to take one last break, and then we're going to go to the last segment of the show, and that's where we're going to talk about acting, talk about okay. what's going on in Hollywood, talk about why you're out here, um, what, you got, what, what future plans you have. Uh, and I think, again, just, yeah, the rest of your journey, what you found. Uh, I want to ask you a few different questions as well. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to be right back with Mr. Ashok Topadi on The Conversation Rockets Avenue Radio on Dash. Me against the world. 24-7. Rockus Avenue. Exclusively on Dash Radio. What's up, everybody? You're back with the conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash. So look, we have Mr. Ashok Topadi. We've had a phenomenal conversation so far. We've talked about your journey. Um, growing up with a southern accent, being the Indian dude, the only Indian guy in Wise, Virginia. Is that, am I saying That's it right? right. Um, we've also talked about the fact that you actually have gone through the whole medical field realm. You've gone through it all, man. Um, and now you're an actor. So the first last segment of the show, what I wanted to talk about was um, why do people, uh, you were talking about on the break, actually, you were saying how there's a lot of people in the medical field that kind of think that they're happy as well. I want to talk about that just briefly, and then I'll talk about what's going on with acting, um, your endeavors and how you're enjoying the whole process and what you're working on. Okay. So what were you saying uh, over the break about um, a lot of people that just think that they're happy? Oh, in medicine, when you look at all the people around you, all the doctors, they're really not happy doing it. But they've got their mortgages, they've got all kinds of bills, they want to live at a certain level, 
um, and they get used to it and they don't want to quit. And so they just keep on working because they're making a lot of money doing it. But they're not very happy. They're like, ah, you know, I wish I was brave. In fact, when I quit and I told the senior most guy who was like 80 years old, he's, I expected him to have a completely different response. Like, you know, you're stupid. But he said, wow, you're a brave man. Congratulations. Wow. That's, that's, not, yeah, that's, a, that's not the response that I would have thought. Yeah. Um, there's a doctor actually um, in Seattle and he told my cousin, he said, hey, look, if I were you and in the position you're in, I wouldn't go and be a doctor. And he's a doctor. <laughs> so he said that point blank to my cousin. And it's funny because my grandfather sent him, sent my cousin to him and said, go learn from him. And the guy said, look, man, I want to be doing this. But it's- I, And I've had doctors tell me that when I was like in my 20s, don't, don't be a doctor, you know, it's, it's very painful. But you don't get that, you know, perspective until you've actually done it. Because at that point you're like, no, everything, life is being a doctor. I have to get this. I have to be this. Your whole identity revolves around yeah. being a doctor. When but you're introduced when you at there. parties, but when you're introduced at parties too, oh, he's the doc. He's going to be the doctor yeah. as a kid. That's why I see a lot of, oh, he's got, he is the future doctor. Oh son, how long are you going to, did you get that a lot too? Uh, yeah, but I think it was just more expected. Like my parents are just like, you're definitely going to be a doctor. There's no. Damn, no ifs, ands, or yeah. buts. Wow. So yeah, so for the people that are listening as well, what would be that piece of advice you'd give? You've given a lot of golden, I guess, nuggets of wisdom so far, but um, if they're at that stage, let's say hypothetically there's a kid listening that is at that stage where his parents have pressured him him or her into you must be an educated a person in the field of medicine or engineering or law um, and they're not really enjoying it, what would you say to them? Look, I would say look at your parents in the eye and say, do you want me to be happy or do you want to be happy? Ooh, I, guess, I wish I could I wish I could snap, man. Damn. Damn. <laughs> I used to say this a lot. I said, the moment that I told this to my dad, I said, the moment that I stopped trying to make you happy and started making myself happy, you became happy. <laughs> wow. That's pretty deep. It happened. The moment I started actually excelling at something I enjoyed doing, they're like, whoa, they actually got fully behind me. Yeah. There's something I told uh, a guy too, great guy, guy. He'll be on the show soon. But I told him once, I said, hey, man, I learned from my uncle that there's three levels of truth that the moment that you start doing, let's say acting, right? You're going in the medical field, you're doing all that. But the moment you start trying to be an actor, you're, you're, the people closest to you at the, level, the first level of truth will say, yo, you're a fool. <laughs> acting? <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, Ash, yeah, you're hilarious. You'll be an actor. Uh, and they'll laugh at you. And a lot of times, a majority of people quit after that because it hurts. It's the people closest to you that say, no, nah, no, nah, whatever. And they just dismiss you. Or right? it fuels you. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying is yeah. it can be for yeah. a majority of people kind of there's, they just become disheartened and they quit, mm. but it can be phenomenal fuel. Now, the, if you continue to pass, if you keep going after that stage, the second level of truth is those same people, they're going to violently oppose you. So it'll be, a, it'll be as if, let's say, Ash, you said, you know what? I don't want to be a doctor, mom and dad. Well, we're going to disown you. You're out on the streets. We're not going to help you with your tuition, nothing. And that's where it's the people closest to you yeah. that violently, this, they violently oppose you. And that hurts even more. Yeah. So that's the second level. If you, if you, let's say, had stopped going to medical school and you went to act, that probably would have happened back then, right? Exactly. They wouldn't have supported it. I'd be out on the street. You'd be exactly. And that fear probably prevented me from going that route. Oof. That's, so that's the second level of truth. Yeah. Now, a majority of people, let's say 99.9% of people probably give up at that stage. You know what? Because it's tough. Like you just said, if your parent, your own parents that you love or the, your best friends or your, let's say, whoever, your significant other, if they're the ones that are saying, you're an idiot, why are you doing this? You would expect them to be right because they care about you and they love you. Very 
Very true. Right? So then what I learned was a third level of truth is if you still keep being persistent and move forward, those same people will be your biggest advocates. I didn't know that. Yeah. That third level of truth that let's say, uh, like Ashok, you get this huge TV deal or you get this huge film. They're going to be, oh, Ashok, that's our, of course, that's our son. That's the wrong time to support. Yeah, but, that, but, that's, support at that but point. that's what happened. Don't you agree? Is that that's yeah, when you're yeah. like, what, where were you? Yeah, where were you five years ago? Yeah, like uh, when I needed you, but there, it's maybe it's yeah. not meant for that. That's what gets you to that stage. So I think that's where a lot of young people or just people, in, even Pete, how old were you when you just said, you know what, I'm going to quit being a doctor? 37. So it doesn't matter about if you're younger or if you're in your middle age or it doesn't matter at all then? It doesn't matter. That's a point to make is that it doesn't matter how old you are. That I hope that I inspire people to just do what you know they love to do as long as they're not killing people or anything. Yeah, yeah, don't, be, yeah. <laughs> don't hurt anybody. As long as you yeah, do whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting nobody. Yeah. But it doesn't matter what age you are. You can do this. A lot of the times, as you said, you were saying earlier about how people, they They get stuck because they have like bills to pay and, or they want, they enjoy the lifestyle that they live. Yeah. You're going to have to make us some sacrifices, you know, if you want to change your path, but it'll be worth it. And my dad used to always say, he said, don't fall in love with a paycheck. Yeah. And the reason why he would say that is because then, as you're saying is if you do have a, a, a paycheck coming in and then you start creating your life around that, where everything, like you just said, for it to be sustainable, you need that paycheck coming That's in. True. And yeah, you're right. It's a sacrifice. I'm sure that when you decided to leave, you lost, you're not making that same money that you were when you yeah, were a doctor. So now I'm living with a roommate and I'm, I'm paying a thousand dollars a month when I used to have, you know, a place that was $3,000 a month, mm. you know? So, yeah. But how do you, and I've just cut down everything. All my expenses are all cut down. So you did that. You made that ultimate sacrifice yeah. in, in the sense. Because I'm happier though. Ultimately, I do want to make more money. Obviously I'm not going to yeah. be stuck at this level, but you know, it, I'm going to make the sacrifice for now because I, I need to. Well, you there's a T-Pain song I was listening to. It's funny, but he was saying how um, you just didn't see the vision. Yeah. Like that you, you didn't see it. When he was talking about it, everyone's like, oh, you're an idiot, but you didn't see the vision. And the fact that you see your own, like no one's going to see the vision until you actually show it, until you actually make it a reality. That's right. And so I think that's that's crucial. And the fact that you said from the medical field, you learn about delayed gratification. That's huge in this industry. Yeah. A lot of people that I meet in Los Angeles or even people in Vancouver that want to act or want to direct or write, they don't have the patience. Yeah, they're just like, if I don't make this in a year, I'm going to leave. Yeah, like, what? That's a bad attitude to have. Yeah. You gotta, you, this is a journey for life. You know? you yeah, we're all in. keep at it every single day. You just have to have a set of habits that you just continue to follow every single day. And that's consistency. Yeah, consistency wins every time. It's not about luck. So that's funny how, again, a lot of that stuff comes from the medical field or your journey in the medical field. I'm applying the principles that I learned to get me to be a doctor to become an actor now. And it it pays off because I'm moving ahead very quickly because I'm consistent and reliable. So what's going on now that you're in L.A., you you were a doctor and now you're an actor. What's what's it been like? What's the transition been like for you? Because not many people actually do that then. They become the doctor and then they go and be actor. What's the transition been like for you? What was it like when you told your parents? Um, I guess they can't really do anything. They're like, well, we did say once you become a doctor, be an actor. So, I mean, I don't really talk to him much though. Yeah. Maybe they'll come around in about five years, as you said. At the third, once your face is on all these yeah. billboards, it's exactly. like, Ash, Topade. Yeah. As a Japanese man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. I, I can see them definitely coming back around. Yeah. But so the, right now it's kind of at that rocky edge where, you know what, you're just in the second level of truth where they're, 
But you did the medicine that you did it. Like, I'm, I'm sure they'll they're looking at it like oh, he's an idiot. He's, he's he'll gonna, be back. He's going to be back and be a doctor. But we know that that's not that's not the case. That's not the case. So that what was the transition like then? Moving to Los Angeles from Texas and all of that. You know, it's 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 a difficult transition going from having a schedule to not having a schedule. Now I have to come up with a set of things that I do on a daily basis to keep going. You know, and and I think as an actor, you can't just be an actor. You need to do everything, and that's what makes you really valuable. If you understand how to write, if you understand how to direct, if you understand how to film, if you understand how to edit, and I've gone through that entire process, and it just makes me a better actor. I think it makes you well-rounded, and then you can just decide which one to be an expert at. Exactly. Yeah, then you can speak on the editing side. You can talk about the producing side. Yeah. You're right. A lot of people become too one-dimensional. I'm not saying don't master one thing. That's crucial. Be like For me, I just want to be a producer. But that's, I can't be a solid producer unless I understand what everyone else is doing. Exactly. Is it like that in the medical field too? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I went very specialized into a specific field. It does help to know a lot about every other thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, actually, was, I changed my mind. You, do, you should know a lot about every other thing. Yeah. So maybe everything that I learned as a doctor is helping me out become a better actor, you know? Sounds like what you just said. Yeah. It was like, whoa, that doesn't sound like what a lot of actors say to me. <laughs> Yeah. So that's being here in LA then. Um, what's been the, I guess, the most difficult thing that you found so far? Um, not getting good quick enough. Mm. You know, I want to be really good at acting, but this, it takes years, you know. You can't just in a year be s- such a great actor. But no, so. what do you mean, man? Can I just take some magic pills or, you know, <laughs> yeah. just drink some water and I'm like, I'm the best. I thought, that, no. Energy drinks. What? Isn't yeah. that what it is that you just uh, got you really so you're telling me I really got to put in the work. You've got to put in the work. God damn it! So that's that's, uh, that's the hardest part. You you know you're uh, I'm an expert at one field and now I'm going back to the very beginning. I'm a isn't med, that humbling? I'm a med student again. <laughs> but that, that's humbling, right? It's humbling. It's very difficult too. But and how has it been for your ego too? That's probably where it. <laughs> that's where it's the hardest. Because I was like I was at the top of the mountain. Now I'm back at the bottom. I I'm still climbing up. But I think that's what's really fun the about the journey's life. fun. Yeah. You got to enjoy the journey too. So have you met a lot of cool people since you moved out here? Oh yeah. More cool people than I've ever met in life. Because I, I, I just didn't fit in the medical field. But here I, I finally fit in. I'm a weirdo amongst a lot of other weirdos that make believe stuff. I get to make believe every day. Yo, we're, I'm a weirdo too, man. I get to <laughs> sit in a studio and, like, and ask people questions about why did you do that? It's a great life. If you had told me, it's crazy because again, a few years ago, um, I was at university. I was doing that same thing of, you know what, you must take these classes, get this degree. Go. I wrote the LSAT as well. Then you must go and become a lawyer and then you can do whatever you want. And I just said, screw that because I met with a lot of different people. And if you had told me back then that I'd be living in Los Angeles, I'd be meeting solid people such as yourself, man. Um, and I'd be doing this um, and interviewing people here. A, a young boy coming from Surrey in Canada, that's it's unheard of in 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 my perspective or limited perspective back then. So it's, it's all possible. That's what I'm finding. Right. But you really have to be willing to take that jump. Yeah. And I think in our communities, safety is something that we really cherish. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Safety. Yeah, that is so true. Is that what they're always telling you? Yeah, Get safety. Always safety. Yeah. You don't bills. take any risks. Ruckus Avenue radio. And, and I understand that too, because I've discussed it before where, you know what? It was a different time for them. They came to this country, let's say, as immigrants. And for them, it was, you know what? I need to have cash flow coming in because I, they know what it was like to have no money. 
Yeah. And so for us, we're kind of at that stage, like you said, where um, we're able to actually sit down and think. Yeah. And say, what is the purpose of it? Is it just having a massive bank account and having a multi-million dollar wedding and just having kids? Or do you want to do something that like, like you and I have discussed where it's much more fulfilling and uh, you have that happiness and you get to have these types of conversations. So I think for a lot of people that are listening, that's kind of the trade-off that they have to look at is whatever you do decide, you're going to have to make a sacrifice in one way or another. That's right, man. <laughs> just, just take that minute. That's all you need to print. <laughs> no, that was man. Good, that was a good section right there. That came from you, man. And that's, we have a few more minutes left and I wanted to ask you some questions too about um, how do you become a better actor? What are some things that you've been doing? Uh, I stay in class. Um, I love the class that I'm in. It's Green Actor System. And uh, basically the teacher allows you to write your own material and put it up in class. And I think that helps a lot. Uh, more than just like reading a bunch of scripts and memorizing them and putting them up, just writing your own stuff and putting them up really improves because then you develop your own voice. Um, and just do everything. Do everything for free at the beginning, you know? Yeah, at this stage, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just get experience. Yeah. And then I think you and I have discussed it too, but also go and just connect with people, connect work with, with people. people. Because, uh, you know, if I hadn't met you, I wouldn't be here, you know, talking with you. We'll work with each other for the rest of our lives because we see know it. each other. Yeah. No, oh, and I think it's just good people. LA is that type of place that a lot of people said when you come here. A lot of people would tell me, oh, LA is superficial. It's all this stuff. And don't get me wrong, there's a huge part of LA that is like that. But even in Vancouver, it's very much so like that. Seattle or in New York, I found that, you know what, if you're genuine and your intention is right, you'll meet and you're working hard. If you're actually working hard, it doesn't matter about the Instagram algorithm and all of this crap. People <laughs> will know if you're actually working hard. Yeah. You know I mean, that will show up if you're actually working hard. So even in LA, like you and I, the fact that we connected, I know just as you said that when I think of, hey man, I need a guy that has a deep voice and can do a Southern drawl. <laughs> And, you know, no, I'm serious. I'm like, I'm working on this project. Who? Oh, my God, it'll be a show. But most people don't do that. They just hang out with other actors. Uh, and then they just hang out in an echo chamber where it's like, you know what? You're not going to get your opportunities by just hanging out with the same people all the time. Exactly. You, and have so, to, you have to really branch out, always be meeting people. I mean, you're an actor, for Christ's sake. You should be entertaining people wherever you go, even in Walmart. And uh, well, Even in Walmart? Yeah. Wait, what have you done in Walmart? You got to well up. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, hi, how are you doing? And they probably think you're, when I met you too, I thought you were very serious. And then you did that, uh, you did that short script where you were absolutely hilarious. Oh, the uh, cold we, read. Yeah, when you did the, uh, which we did not enjoy. <laughs> but yeah, you did a damn good job. And that's when I realized, hey, this guy actually loves, he's actually good at what he's doing too. You're getting there. Thank you. I'm, no, I'm excited. Nice. Now, look, I'm going to ask a final question. Uh, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts after that. Just your final thoughts on how the show went too. Um, but the last question I ask is, what's one book or one movie that you recommend for people to watch or listen or read? Ooh, that is a good question. It's kind of like homework for them. You know what? That you, this person, read this book or watch this movie because I want them to do something now after this. Also, on top of the fact that they have to ask their parents, the homework you all have is asking your parents, do you want me to be happy or do you want to be happy? That's one of the pieces of homework. I, you know, for a more general audience, I'd say Atomic Habits. What's Atomic Habits? It's a Tiny book? Tiny Changes, yeah, by James Clear. Oh, so why do you like that one? Because it, it really breaks down the reward system and how setting goals is not the right thing to do, but setting habits over time. Systems win over time. 
And that consistency is really powerful. I, I think it's a really good book for anyone to read to to really get things you know straightened out. Well, what type of give me? You got to give me something. What's a really good habit that you've kind of formed through that? Well, just like you you exercise every day, but you mark it out on a calendar so that when you see those X's there, you don't want to break the chain. Uh, you know? And that keeps you just okay. And then you stack them like exercise, play the piano, don't eat sugar, you know, and then you get a bunch of these red X's. You have momentum. Yeah. And if you do that consistency, you're like, I don't want to eat sugar because I don't want to break this chain. Not because I want to get skinny, not because you have a goal in mind. It's because you've developed this habit. So you got to trick your mind into giving you a dopamine rush based on the habits that you form. Isn't that kind of like Snap, uh, Snapchat's, uh, what do they have? They had their snap streaks. Oh, so I that's where all these young that. kids would basically... Uh, you and I, you snap me one day, you snap me the next day. It's like, we are now at day 4,000. Wow. We can't break our snap streak. I hate you though, but we can't break our snap that streak. That is brilliant marketing. That's what oh they did. That's, that's where I have so many friends that literally, this girl likes me. Like, what do you mean? Our snap streak is at 400. <laughs> I was like, have you even hung up? No, but our snap streak. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Wow. We can't break our snap streak. That's, damn, that makes a lot of sense why yeah. they did that. Wow. Okay. So, that's a great book. Uh, a movie. Anything you watched recently that you really enjoyed? There's just too many. Is it? Do, uh, can I ask this question too? Of now that we're in this field, whenever I say, "Yeah, I gotta go watch a movie," I'm like, "I gotta do homework." <laughs> so I, was like, I don't even feel bad. I gotta go watch Us. How did Jordan Peele make this incredible film? I gotta, I gotta watch it. Oh, Moonlight. The funny joke I've been making is now I sound like this this arrogant film guy. <laughs> it's like Moonlight. Oh, I love Moonlight. The juxtaposition of the classical music. And the fact that you have all these young African-American men that are going through their adolescent years, it was just wonderful how they did that. And now I'm like, what have I become? <laughs> what is happening uh, to me, man? Yeah, I mean, I don't watch movies anymore for entertainment. I watch it because it's my homework. You're right. It's not a bad thing. I like LA Confidential. It's an amazing movie, but it's got such a great screenplay. Then I read the script and, you know. <laughs> so that's LA Confidential. Yeah, yeah. So that's one to watch. LA Con and yeah, when you read the script, it's fascinating because then you know how the breakdown works and then you watch the film. You're like, whoa, they did a good job or they sucked. They didn't really portray it properly. So it's, it's interesting. There's a, a Instagram uh, account that I follow, Script to Screen. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and it's really good because there's all these, uh, all these uh, massive films and you see how the script to scene just really developed. So it's fascinating. It's very man. interesting to see that. Look, I wanted to say, Mr. Ashok Tolpati, thank you for coming in the studio today. Um, I honestly feel like I, I gained an IQ point. <laughs> Which for me is a big deal because I need to gain as many as I can. And I lost about 10. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm I had kidding. to give and take. It's give and take. <laughs> I was like, I must no, take. <laughs> it's great. Thanks so much for having me, man. I love talking to you. We should do this again. Well, we do it anyways. We'll yeah, grab some we coffee. Look, when you become a big star and I'm going to have to holler at your manager and your secretaries to get you in the studio, what I'm going to do is then we'll talk. I'm so, so Ashok. And your parents are probably going to be there at the studio too. Oh, sure, he is the greatest. Look at him. Oh my God, he is. And they're going to be Facebook living it while we're doing the, <laughs> the conversation. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, my parents, they've always supported me. Oh, yes, Ashok. And so that'll probably happen too. But that would be an interesting conversation. And so I wanted to end off with that. Um, to everybody that's listening, Ashok, do you have any final words? <laughs> I don't have any final words. That's it. That's it. Good luck with your journey. I appreciate it. That's what I said to everybody that DMs me on Instagram. Good so luck I want to with say, your journey. yeah, good luck with your journey because it's the best thing that you could really say. So, look, thank you for tuning in today to the conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash. Um, every week, we're going to have conversations like this. We want to talk about things that, you know what, most people aren't really saying. 
And uh, it's going to be an interesting journey. So look forward to talking to you next week. Peace. Download the Dash Radio app for your device and tune in to Ruckus Avenue. Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian radio station.